We'll be looking at Luke chapter 11, which is on the second set of page numbers at verse uh, 1 on page 55 of the second set of page numbers. Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. We're going to hear Jesus teaching in the gospel of Luke uh, on prayer to his disciples. So as we open God's word, let's uh, just ask God to be present with us even more than he already has been. So Lord Jesus, as we come to hear your stories, your words, your teachings, we pray that you will keep us attentive to them, that you will help us to focus our attention on you at this time, that we will be open to hear, to receive, to learn, and be shaped by the work of your Holy Spirit here in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So he, that is Jesus, was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If there is anyone among you who, if your, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish, or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. So, have you sensed the theme of prayer this morning? We have prayed the Lord's Prayer, and now I'm about to mess it all up with this sermon. Because there's some things that have been traditionally understood and taught and believed and translated in this text that are not actually what the text says. And we don't really understand it, so we've done the best that we can, but I'm going to open up the can of worms for you today. Because I think that there might be something from God in that can for us. So first of all, did you notice that the disciples, and did you notice how different this is from the account in Matthew that we know a lot better about Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer from the Sermon on the Mount? 
First of all, there's things missing from the prayer. There's extra teaching. The story of the friend at midnight is not included in Matthew. The ask, seek, knock is in a different part of Jesus' teaching in Matthew. And so Luke has put these together for a specific purpose. And I think that that specific purpose is to tell us some things about the character of God. And to focus our attention when it comes to prayer about the character of God and what that means for us as his disciples and as people who pray. So at the very beginning, it's the disciples saying to to Jesus, teach us to pray as John teaches his disciples to pray. So it was very common for rabbis at that time to teach a lot. They, they taught their disciples in a very specific way. And there were all these different markers that showed which rabbi you followed. So it would be like all of you learning to say thanks be to God when we read scripture or do our prayer requests. Because I have told you and taught you and led you in doing that. So it's a similar kind of idea. When the rabbi teaches you a certain way of, of being... You follow it, and it becomes a marker of who you follow. And so the disciples want to learn how to pray the way Jesus wants them to pray because he's their rabbi. And because Jesus, all over the way that Luke tells the story of Jesus, is constantly going away to pray. They're constantly having to go look for Jesus because he's gone away to pray in a quiet place on his own. And every morning they wake up as his disciples and they're like, where's Jesus now? We got to go find him. And they trek and they find him. And then finally at this one time they say, Jesus, teach us to pray like you're praying. You're our rabbi, so teach us to pray so that people will know we follow you. And so he teaches them this prayer in the Lord's Prayer. And he teaches them to pray these kinds of things that are all about who God is. Because every line, almost every line in this prayer, is a command given to God. So you, God, hollow your name. You, God, make your name holy. You, God, do this work. You, God, make your kingdom come here in this place. You, God, give to us in the present what it is that we need for our daily bread. And you, God, are the one forgiving us all the time. And then notice here the different way than what we normally understand talking about us forgiving our debtors. This one assumes We're already in the business of doing that. For we are people who forgive those who are indebted to us. For we forgive. Not to get God's forgiveness, but but part and parcel of knowing a God who is forgiving is to be one who forgives. Built in already in the prayer. And this command, you, God, don't lead us to places where we might be tempted. How fascinating is that? Because God doesn't do that. But we can tell God that because we want to grow in the confidence of knowing that that's who God is. So we know God doesn't do this, and so we can say that, but we can say it as a negative command. Don't lead us into temptation because we know that your character is to not lead us into temptation. So just don't do it, and then we know that you're the same yesterday, today, always, and forever. So don't do it. I will have confidence. 
that you are not the kind of God that does that. I will have confidence that you are the kind of God that forgives. I will have confidence that you are the one who is doing your work of bringing the kingdom in this place. I will have confidence that you are giving us what we need every day. I will have confidence that you will make your name and your character of holiness known in the world. Jesus says, this will be how people know that you are a follower of me if you pray this way to our Heavenly Father. In the confidence of these truths and turning them into commands, God, keep your character known. It's very psalm-like. This is how the psalms, all the prayers in the psalms are. Keep what we know to be true. You have said these things about yourself, and so we are going to hold you to them. And we will pray that way. And then he tells the story of the friend at midnight. And this is where it gets really opened. Because he tells the story about the friend at midnight. And first of all, our translations don't help us. He says, suppose one of you has a friend who goes to another neighbor and says, the actual thing that Jesus is saying is asking them a question. Who among you... If you were in this situation, would act this way. So who among you, if you had your neighbor come to you and say, I need some bread because my friend has just arrived. It's the middle of the night, I know. Who among you, if your neighbor came to you and said that, would say, go away. I'm in bed with my kids. The door is locked. I'm not getting up. No one there listening to Jesus would say no to that friend. They would find the excuses given about being locked behind the door, of having their kids in bed with them, of it being the middle of night. They would find those excuses absurd because of their view of hospitality, because of their view of helping and providing for the stranger who comes to their community, because of their view of what it meant to give and serve. And so Jesus says, who among you, if your neighbor comes, would say no? Nobody. Nobody would. And it's not because you're friends. It's not because he's his friend that he'll do this. And then Jesus says, it's because of his, the big word in question, that you will do this thing. So Ben's going to put up on the screen, and maybe if you had your own, your, a different Bible translation than the one that we're using, you might have noticed this. So in our text today, in the NRSV, the word in the blank, because of his, uh, is translated as persistence. I've also read it as boldness. Did anybody else have a different word besides either of those two? Ah, shameless audacity. All right, we're getting a little closer. Sometimes impudence is used. Uh, so the word itself is actually that bottom word, shamelessness. Because of his shamelessness, he will do this thing that he is being asked to do. And at the time, the word shamelessness was only and ever used negatively. So because of his bad act of going and asking the neighbor for something... You'll do the thing. 
or the Greek is very confusing because the his and the he, we aren't really sure who the his and the he are. So because he is your friend, you won't do this thing. But because of his persistence or boldness or shamelessness could also mean the person that's going to give the bread. So because you, as you imagine yourself in this story, because you have no regard for what's appropriate or right to be doing, you will go and give this bread and meet this need. So it could be that we're describing the friend who comes to the door, or it could be that this verb is about the person who is being asked to give. In either case, it's a bad word. So every use after this story in Scripture that's termed positive uses this story as the reason that it's termed positive because Jesus is supposed to be teaching us something, so would he be teaching us to do something that's not appropriate or good or right? See how the confusion builds here? And the reason why people use the word persistence is because they think, well, the next little thing that Jesus says is about asking and seeking and knocking. Like, but there's nowhere in the story that talks about the person that's come to get the bread as knocking persistently, is there? He just says his need. So we have built the story up in our mind as going a certain way, which the text doesn't actually lead us to. So, go to the next one, Ben. When we think about prayer, we have two options available to us, and maybe both of them are right. We can think about the fact that we are shameless. We can be shameless in asking for what we need from God in prayer. Or we can think about God being shameless and giving us what we need in prayer. That he doesn't care how the requests come and how we're asking or what we're saying and if it's appropriately done. Because he is about giving us what we need. Which we hear in the Lord's Prayer. Which we hear in this story. Which we hear in the promise that when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, we will find. Which we hear in the closing story that Jesus tells about the parent who gives good things to their kids. And if we give good things to our kid, how much more will our Heavenly Father give us good things? How much more? In fact... The very best good thing that God gives us is God's own self. How much more, he says in Luke verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will God give God's own self? And isn't that a little bit of a shameless thing for God to do? We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We haven't acted appropriately to get it. But God doesn't care about any of that. And gives himself to us. 
Isn't that exactly what Jesus did when he came and became one of us? Isn't that exactly what God continues to do by giving us the Holy Spirit to be part of our lives, to be our guide into living this at-one life with him? And because we know that God is that way, we can be without shame about asking God for those things, for ourselves and for others. So it's not, it's not really about persistence. And it's not really about boldness. It's really about Letting there be nothing in the way. No fears of how you might be received. No worries about your doubt making your prayer less effective. No wonderings about whether he's going to listen to you because you have this bad track record of sin in your life. But without shame... Believing in the character of God so much. Trusting in the all-perfect holiness and love of God. That anything about you does not matter in comparison. And trusting that God's word about himself his proven work in this world of being shameless and doing things that no one in this world would say was appropriate or right or fair, but doing all of those things because of his great love for us. Becoming one of his disciples who prays that way. Amen. Let's pray together. It is a great comfort, God, our creator, savior, and sustainer, that you are a God who does not work with shame. It is a great comfort that you are a God who wants to lift us out of that shame to experience your true transformation. And so we, we do come with boldness, and we do come with persistence, and we seek to come as people who are not worried about doing it perfect and right, but only wanting to be with you as we pray. So God, as we come to your table now to celebrate the meal that you gave us, to remember some of the shameless stuff that you have done for us. We pray that your Holy Spirit truly will be at work to enliven this trust and this confidence in who you are in us as individuals and as a community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I invite you, if you are not sitting